Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. dive one last time. We're going to talk about this theme we've been doing is going below the surface. And we've been looking at the the prophet Jonah as really, we just say, a very complicated and conflicted guy. The quick review was, if you missed the other weeks, was that God told Jonah to go and Jonah said no. And Jonah fled on a boat, but God caught up with him and provided a, a beautiful, blustery storm that shook him to his core. But Ended up him going overboard, but God provided a a huge fish to swallow Jonah that swallowed him. He survives. He spit up on dry land, and he God says go again, and Jonah says okay, I'll go, and goes to the people, his very enemies, and tells them that forty days they'll be over, they'll be overturned, and unless they repent, and and the people repent and turn. Not away, just away from their evil ways, but turn toward the Lord. And there's a transformation that happens in this great city of Nineveh. And if you were Jonah, if you and I, after all that happened to that moment, that's pretty amazing. 120,000 people that fall to their knees. You would think that Jonah would be super excited. He would, have, he would have been so thrilled that he would have went, God, thank you for using my life that touches so many that's there. You would think that would be the response, but it's far from it. What we find is that Jonah, again, is a very complicated person because there's more going on below the surface in his life. Now, I know that none of us have been, well, I, I know nobody I know here, and you could have been, you could raise your hand if you've been, ever been shipwrecked. Has anybody been shipwrecked here, by the way? I'm just curious. Okay, there's, a, there's one person there. Not a lot, of it, a lot of us have, but has anybody been swallowed by a whale? Okay, so uh, we, I know that hasn't happened to us, but we can relate a lot with our own lives and what's going below the surface in our life. And so we're going to finish this story off. And it's, a kind, of, it's kind of a crazy story. It just gets crazier as we're going to read that. But I encourage you with this, and this is the thought I had this week, is it, let it be a, a mirror to your life. As you're hearing the Jonah story, let it be a mirror to your life. And, and what I encourage you is this, is, is God is speaking to the complexity of Jonah's heart He also wants to speak to the complexity of your own heart. That there's issues, there's deeper issues that are going on in your heart, in your life, that maybe you're aware of and maybe you're not aware of, that that the Lord could actually reveal to you. So you don't miss what Jonah misses. He tragically misses that we'll find here at the end. And this morning as we do this, you might notice if you're a note taker, there's no fill-ins today. And and you're thinking, well, Dan, were you lazy this week to not give us the answers? I want you to come up with your own fill-ins today. More importantly this, I want you to listen to the story. I want you to listen and picture this. And if God is speaking to you, write it down, what he might be challenging you today. So I want to jump into Jonah chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Listen to Jonah's reaction. As God spares the city and does this transformation of this entire area. It says this, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. (laughs) 
you know, you just want to call, Jonah, don't you realize just what happened? This is a big win, bro. I mean, if, if Jonah was alive today, imagine what would happen to a whole city. I mean, that's the size of Boise, Idaho, okay? Totally turns to Jesus, okay? Turn, picture that happening. He, you know, there would be some kind of talk. I mean, transformation, not only to, to Christ, but transformation of a city and a community and just many, many things happen. So good that happens to this whole community by, by one guy. You, you would think that he'd be writing a book about that. You would think he'd be telling, sharing it at a conference or being on the Today Show. I mean, at least Tom Hanks would play his part in a movie, okay? That was what you would think of such a transformation. Jonah should be flying high, but he's burning with anger. Listen to verse 2. It says he prayed to the Lord. You're thinking, well, that seems obvious. He's a prophet. He should be praying to the Lord. But there's only two times he prays to the Lord. The first time he prays to the Lord, he's in a big fish's stomach. He's in desperation. The second time he prays is right here. But it's not really a complaining. He's desperate with one prayer and he's complaining with the other prayer. That kind of sums up really where Jonah's relationship with God is. Jonah's relationship with God seems to be more on a, a professional or business relationship than a personal relationship. I think that can be a reflection in our own lives that at times it's the only time do we pray is when we're, we're desperate and we're complaining to the Lord. Are those the times we pray? That seems to be, that sums up really where the relationship that Jonah has with God. So Jonah's so mad. Listen, he goes off on God. It says next, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? See, Jonah, you, you get a glimpse of his, his, his heart, what's going on well below the surface. You get the motive of his life. You get the reasons of why he did what he did. That really from the very beginning, he's complaining. And he tells us why he did what he did. He says this, that, that, is, what, that is what I tried to for, uh, saw, uh, stall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are glor- gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents for sending, what's that word? Calamity. 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 At the end of it, He is at this place where he goes, I knew it. I knew you would be a good God. I knew you were a loving God. I knew you were a gracious God. I knew you You think that would be like he's worshiping and praising God. He goes, know it. I knew it. I knew you'd be that good God that would spare these people. And and what it does, it shows this deep issue of of Jonah below the surface. What he's got going is this good old-fashioned, terrible, terrible prejudice. It's deep-seated in him with an incredible amount of anger. He's so angered by God that God would give a pass to these this brutal people, this evil nation. I mean, they skin their enemies alive. There are horrible things. That, there's children in the room I would not describe what the Assyrians would do to their captives. To Jonah, this nation was Israel's enemy and it was God's enemy. You got to keep that in mind. It was a sick nation. And this is really kind of the attitude that Jonah was saying, God... Look at this. Look how sick they are. Look how corrupt they are. I can't believe that you could have compassion on these people. And this very attitude, though, this is what it did. It created a contradiction for Jonah. It can create a contradiction for our lives. And, and, and he's not getting it. 
He's missing it. He's missing it right here. See, Jonah's attitude was almost this. God, thank you for being patient with me. Thank you that you never let me go. You were always there for me. But I can't be patient for Nineveh. God, thank you for giving me a second chance. Thank you for me surviving the belly of that great fish. But I will never, ever give Nineveh a second chance. God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for for transforming my life and all that you're doing. God, grateful for your forgiveness. But I will never, never, ever, 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 ever forgive Nineveh. See, Jonah is so angry. He cannot accept what God has done for his enemies. And maybe for us. That we could relate in, our, in his life. Because this is where Jonah goes. It almost is this. He goes to the lowest point of his life. Here, think about this. Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days. That seems low. That seems like you want to give up. Like, but really, Jonah, that's not his low. Here's his low. Listen to what he says on all this. He says, now, Lord, take my away my life. For it's better for me to die than to live. After all that he's gone through, now he says this. And it's interesting that we look at Jonah's life, there's so much going below the surface. And I think there's almost this disdain is complaining is this. I've devoted my life to you, Lord. I've devoted my service to you. I, I have been your prophet, but I have this inner conflict. How in the world can you give those people, especially those people, a pass? How can you do that? Jonah was so angry that it filled him with such bitterness that all that he worked for and all that he do, it almost now just seems like infrutility. It seems meaningless in his life. See, Jonah is a, is a mirror to us that some of us have had to wrestle through the same thoughts. The, the, the truth is that we all have Ninevites in our life that have hurt us. Maybe you have harbored resentment towards someone because you've been hurt. And what it's done for some of us has been, it's been a slow resentment that's building and burning over and over and over in our lives. And maybe a lot of people don't even share with with that with anyone else. Maybe you've had some silent resentment toward a boss where you just want to tell them off, but you need your job. Maybe you have a spouse that you're not being forthright in the needs that you have or the struggles that you have in the marriage, but you don't say anything. You maybe have kids, you just, you don't want to say they, you raise these children and then they, they, they're gone and they like, they never check in with you. They never call you. They never check, they never ask how you are doing. And you don't want to say it's your kids, but they, they just, you don't feel that love anymore. Your, 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 your parents, maybe they're just not treating you the way you want to be treated. A friend who's turned on you. You were close and they now they turn on you. They spread lies about you. But you just don't say anything. You move on. You put on a, a smiley face. You do all the right things you know to do because that's what good Christians do, right? But deep down in you, there's a deep-seated resentment that's there in your, in your life and you just, it's well below the surface. And, and for some of you, I, I, you need to go there just to mention it for you because not to remind you to bring more pain, but some of you experience verbal or physical or sexual abuse that a person's done in your life. And I wanted to say in all of that, in all the sensitivity in the situation, that is real hurt. That is a real thing. It's hurt badly. 
But in all that's been done to us and all that others have done, we have to come to the place of our responsibility of our own heart, knowing this, that none of us are perfect. None of us are. That as we want God to be this gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love God, he desires it for every single person as well. And this is why God responds this way. In verse four, it says this, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? Boy, as Americans, we really love our rights, don't we? I've got a, I've got a right to you know, speak what I want to speak. I've got a right to have this. I've got to have a right to have that. And God's like now going, is it right for you to be angry? And, and, and you know, in our American civil liberties, we kind of say, yes, it is. And yet it's so different here in the response of what's happening. See, it, you know, it's almost God's going to Jonah. Like, wasn't it recently? Did you not remember my grace and compassion when you were disobedient? Don't you remember being in the, in the, the belly of a fish? Jonah, come on, man. Over 120,000 people have been transformed. This is a time to celebrate. He's just waiting. God's just waiting for Jonah to go, my bad, you're right, God. You know, no, he's filled with bitterness. And what's interesting is this bitterness deep-seated in him, almost in a sense, goes to another level, and it's depression. He comes to this place where he is seething in such a place that he's almost just like, I check out, I'm done. He goes what some would call passive-aggressive. I'm going, I'm doing the silent treatment, and he doesn't even answer the question. It's interesting that now what Jonah does, he leaves the city, and verse 5 says that Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited. Jonah's is like, I'm out. I'm, that's it. I'm out. And so, but he goes. He doesn't leave the city entirely. He goes and just perches himself on some kind of cliff or some kind of you know, ledge and looks out upon the, on the city. Sets up his lawn chair. Builds, it looks like he said he built some kind of maybe a little cabana. Takes his sandals off. Puts his feet in the sand. Grabs a drink with an umbrella in it. You know, puts some Jimmy Buffett on and says, you know, welcome to Margaritaville. Like, that's kind of what he does. I'm checking out. I'm piecing out. This is what it is. But it's so interesting, though, is that despise the Ninevites. You would think he goes, okay, God, I'm done. I'm getting the heck out of here. I'm just going as far as way he can. He doesn't leave. He actually stays on the edge of the city. And it says this in the end of verse 5, to see what would happen to the city. Now, what did Jonah want to see? I still think he was holding on hope that God would nuke him. He's just waiting like, oh yeah, now you're all right with, you know, with the big, you know, with the big man in the sky. Oh yeah, good. Just wait for you when you mess up. Man, I'm just, I can't wait for God to, God to nuke him, Lord. He doesn't nuke him. It's, that's what's so, and what happens is, is this, this wishful thinking, it turns to sulking. He becomes angry and frustrated and miserable. Maybe that could be a reflection sometimes in your life. When you're just frustrated. You know, you, you, you put a lot of effort and a lot of energy and, and, and money and resources and you pour your entire life, but ends up just really benefiting others and you really get nothing in return. It's not going your way. This is not what you were hoping in life. For some of us, we've experienced where we busted our backside getting through college and we got our debt up to our ears in student loans and we're hoping for the dream job and that didn't happen. 
It might have been working really hard in a company and someone else gets the promotion. For some ladies, some of you, 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 you knew your calling was to be a stay-at-home mom and you knew the sacrifice it would be, not only economically, but you knew for maybe a career that you're pursuing. You have other female friends and they're just in these cool careers and they're doing great things and you're just like, um, what are you doing right now? I've got like peanut butter and jelly in between couch seats plus there's, I'm trying to Google desperately how to get a Sharpie pin off the wall, okay? Some of you are in that place like, ah, oh, Lord, but that's a calling. But in deep side, there's some struggle that you have. That inner angst that's there. Where we're doing this. We're doing the right things. But our hearts are not in the right place. And that's what's happening exactly with Jonah. Well, the story, as I mentioned, it gets weirder. In verse 6, it says this. is The Lord provided. Now, it's interesting when that comes up, the Lord provided. That's a theme in the book of Jonah. You think about this, the Lord provided a storm. The Lord provided a whale. And, and now it's a little bit gentler, maybe you could say. It says this, the Lord provided a leafy plant. And it made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his comfort. It's this little moment. It's kind of a little reminder that God, God cares about the details of our life. Look at next, it says, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. But as dawn, at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. It's like, what is this a weird random thing is happening? God provides this worm, it says this, which chewed the plant so it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head. So he grew faint and he wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. Second time, Jonah wants to die. And you're kind of going at glance, I'm going, Jonah, you're quite the teen drama queen here, okay? You're, you, you love your shade, you lost your shade, now you don't have your shade. What a whiner, right? What is Jonah? Jonah's just not content. And you ever get like not content? Do you ever go like there's a lot of things like what's wrong? Life's wrong right? And all of a sudden you got the sun in your eyes like, dong, gone, sun. It's in my eyes. Where's my shade? And it's not about the shade and, the, and not the sun in the eyes. It's about everything else that's going on. But that shade, I need my shade. And what it is, is there's this discontent. I think there's a lot of people out there and you could put yourself in this category. You're not just not very happy. They're not happy with their marriages. They're not happy with their careers. They're not happy with the decisions they made. They're not, they, they, they think they're doing a lousy job and they're parenting because their kids are just out of control and what's going on. And a lot of people are literally wrestling right now inner struggles in their life that life is not content. I don't have my shade. I don't have, a, I, the, the, the little things are irritating us because there's a bigger thing that's going on. Jonah's whining moment reminds me of a book our kids read when they were in elementary school. It was this, Alexander and the Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Have you read that book? Have you read your kids that book? And Jonah's basically saying, you know, I'm having a horrible, no good, very bad day. And here, we got to understand that, that God here, we got, and for our lives, is in the middle of the horrible, no good, very bad days. And essentially, again, it says the Lord provided. That word provided, it means manna. As the Hebrew word, and you're like, oh, I heard of manna before. Manna was when the 
people of Israel, they're going toward the promised land. 40 years, God would give them manna bread. The the bread would fall from the sky each and every day. And what manna was representing is that the Lord is a provider. That he provides every single day of our lives. And he gives us what we need when we need it. And Jonah's situation is the same thing. That God is giving Jonah what he needs when he needed it. God, he knew that God, that, that, that uh, God was giving him this leafy plant. That's what God knew that he needed at that moment. He needed the shade. But, but I need to encourage us all that God is not only the, the God of the vine, but he's also the God of the worm. And we'll look here and as we look at the God of the wind. He was sending a vine to protect him. But he's, he sent a storm to shake him. He sent a whale to wake him. And here's a worm now to speak to him. Because God is this provider and knows what he needs. What a mirror in our lives. But I don't know about you, but I want the God, I want the God of just the leafy, leafy plant. I just want the God of the vine. I want God at times in my life to just make my life prosperous and to bless me. I want the God of the vine to write that big fat check and it shows up in the mail. My wife and I joke about this, like we get the mail sometimes. I always say, I wonder if the check came, the big check came. It's like, what check are you talking about? I don't know, but there could be a big check in the mail. We, it's wishful thinking, but the reality is that many times the check doesn't come in the mail. It comes as a bill. It comes in a different form. And yet God does want to provide for us, does want to give us health, does want to help us through. He is the God of the vine, but we got to understand he's also the God of the worm and the wind. And I've experienced this in my own life, where God is really taking the God of the, God of the leafy plant, the God of the worm, the God of the wind, and that he's doing a, a, a work in me, a character development in who I am, that he loves enough to send me what I need in the moment. I look back in my life when I was 14, my, my dad passed away, and it, I suffered t- t- severe loneliness and depression, but God provided godly friends. God provided friends that loved Jesus, and I ended up loving Jesus because these friends loved Jesus. I got, I got to know who Jesus really is. I was pursuing, not sure what God had for my life, and God dr- confirmed that the calling he had for my life. I was in a place and wondering, hey, where's, where do I find love in my life? And God gave me a wonderful, amazing wife that we're going to be 25 years in June. God has given us... You can clap in June for that, but yeah, um, we're not quite there yet, so, um, but we're going to get there. Um, wonderful two children that, that love Jesus and pursue the calling. God has been the God of the vine in my life, but God also has been the God of the worm in my life and, and the wind in my life. I lost both parents now. I've dealt with chronic pain issues. I've experienced job loss. I've had people just reject and walk out of my life. Our church has gone through the same thing. We've been experiencing the God of the vine, the God of the worm, and the God of the wind. We, we experienced the true work that God of the vine has provided hundreds of people to come to know Christ in many years in this church. So many young people have come out of, of, of calling. You're wondering, if you don't see a lot of young people here today, there's a retreat going on. Up, our, our student leaders and, and youth leaders are up in Mount Baker having a retreat this weekend. It's pretty amazing. And so many of them feel called by God and being now going to be sent across the world. We've seen that happen already. The Lord has provided a network of churches that we're a part of. And we're part of this healthy sending movement they're a part. We, we got to have the opportunity to, to launch a new church, CTK Blaine, this last fall. This very building is a miracle that we are now in this building, having been in this building debt-free. 
God, God's been the God of the vine and been divinely keeping this church together and all that he wants to do to reach this community. But I also know in this church, God's been the God of the worm and the wind. And we've had some challenges of division and disunity. And the, and the heat came where the shade disappeared and the scorching heat came. And God has revealed so much in those times and it's refined our faith and it's brought us unity more than ever before here. God has helped us through our finances, but finances are tough right now here in this church. And so it's a challenge for us, especially going into a new building. And what is that going to bring? But I know this, that God, and, and as much as removes sometimes with the shade of our life and the provision that we think we need, God works in another way and provides for our life. And it's the same way for you. Let me challenge you. If you're feeling the heat lately of the God of the worm and the wind, know this, that God's character is maturing you to become more like him. And that grace and that compassion, abounding, loving God is for you, but it's so much more than just you. He's developing patience and endurance in your life to be the man and woman of God that he's called you to to be. But back to Jonah. Jonah is a hot mess right now. He is not interested in any kind of provision. He's pouting like a a toddler who didn't get his nap and he wants his num-nums and mama's not is not giving them to him. That's where Jonah is in this moment. And God is like, buddy, I provided a storm, a fish, a vine, a worm, a wind. You don't get it. Look at verse eight. But God said to Jonah, here's another question again. Same question. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Here's this teen drama queen again. He goes, I, I, I'm so angry. I wish I were dead, Right? It's like, bro, you're, you're losing it over a stupid plant. But it wasn't about the plant. It was his entire life falling apart. His entire life, it, it was there. And, and, and if you go below the surface, what is really going on is this, that Jonah's missing it. He's not getting it. See, the issue that was below the surface for Jonah, it wasn't just the prejudice. It wasn't just the anger he had toward these brutal people. It wasn't even the bitterness that he had toward God and all of it and that God would spare these people. They don't deserve. I believe the very message of the entire book and the deepest issue that's below the surface of his soul is so simple, you can't miss it. Jonah's deepest, darkest issue. You know what it was? It's so, you're, gonna, you're like, oh, okay. The, the, hopefully this will be helpful is this. Jonah's deepest, darkest secret is this. Issue was this. It was Jonah. It was Jonah. His issue was him. He made it all about him. Can I, can I ask this question to you? You can, you can answer it on your own and how you want to answer it. Is life about you? Is life about you right now? If, and you're like, well, no, it's not. Just, I, no, I, no this, this evaluate. Look at your calendar. Look at your receipts. Look at your social media posts. Look at your Netflix account. Okay, when it, what is on your mind when you wake up in the morning? What is the last thing on your mind when you go to sleep? Let's admit it. What it is, call it out. We can easily make life about us. Jonah's problem was this: there was too much Jonah. My problem is this: there's too much me. Your problem is there's too much you. And if you're like me, in many days like this, you can be and relate with, relate with what God says to Jonah. But the Lord said this. He says this question, 
statement, you have been concerned about this plant. Jonah's greatest concern it wasn't about the plant, it was about the shade. What about the shade was about himself. Jonah, are you concerned aren't you concerned about the people that are lost, lonely, hurting, broken, struggling that need me? And Jonah's kind of like, not really. It's hot. I want my shade back. I I want my I like my lawn chair. I, I like my drink. Oh, it's did I mention it's hot, Lord? I want my shade back. Selfishness was the root of his soul. Let's be honest. Have we not done the same? What are you concerned about right now? What matters to you below the service? This moment you're going, it's hot. Or maybe it's still cold. I don't know. It depends on here. I'm hungry. When's this over? Even in our daily life, we wake up. Where's my coffee? My phone is getting old. My chair needs to be replaced in my office. My work environment needs to change. Taxes. Oh no, tomorrow's April 15th. Oh wait, I did my taxes. Oh, when's my refund? Oh, what am I going to do with my refund? I think we should go to, on vacation. Where should we go? Should we go to Vegas again? Listen, the Lord is speaking to us as well as he spoke to Jonah today. You have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend to make it or make it grow. You didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Jonah's remind, God's reminding Jonah, he's reminding us, life is too short to make it about us. He is our provider, but what he gives us is not for us to be comfortable. What he's given us is so we would fulfill his calling through us. Well, what is that calling? It's the question we always ask. What is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? Let's just go full circle. The God's will for our lives is speaking what Jonah speak is a mirror to our lives. For what he spoke to Jonah in chapter one, verse one is, is no different than the very last chapter and the last verse of Jonah. Chapter four, very last verse, it says this. And should I not have concern from the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. Now, who ends a book with a question? Not the best literally form, but God does. And there's no answer to the question. We don't know what, there's no response of Jonah what he does next. My feeling he pouts and goes home is probably what he ends up doing. But why end the entire story on a question? I think I know why. Can I give some answer? I think I know why is this. That we're supposed to be the ones answering the question. Is that possible? More, more even more this. What if we're the ones to be the answer to the question? And what's the question? God's asking, should I not have concern? Concern for what? For Nineveh. Well, that's, that's who it is. But where? It's out there. See, our, our Nineveh, Nineveh, you need to know, is, is when we walk out these doors and we lock eyes with the people in this world. That's Nineveh. A Nineveh that, that's out there that's broken and in relationships and marriages are falling apart and, and kids that don't have dads and homeless people that don't have food or shelter, people that are hurting. We're in Nineveh. We're in Nineveh. And I might be the 120,000 
people that were back in that day, but there's about 180,000 people in Whatcom County that don't know Jesus. Specifically, of the 20,000 people in our, our radius, in the 10-mile reach here, there's probably 16,000 people that don't know the right hand and the left hand when it comes to anything spiritually, let alone to know Christ. We're living in Nineveh. God's asking you and I, are you concerned, more concerned about your needs and your life than the people that are out there? God's saying, I'm a gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding love. You know me to be this way. Can it not be for those out there that need it as well? Is it not the same of this God, a gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding, loving God that he would provide out of that love, his very own son, that we're remembering this day. In fact, today is Palm Sunday where they were cheering Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But just in a few short days, the angry mob that turned said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. That good Friday where Christ died on the cross. And then three days, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, Jesus was in the belly of, this, of, the, of the earth and, 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 and went to, and died for our sin and for death and then rose again to life as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ that we'll be doing next Sunday. All of it, all of it was not just for us. It was for Nineveh. It was for the people out there. And our tension and my tension, your tension and my tension is the same. The tension is this. Is not God concerned about our needs? Absolutely concerned about our needs. But is it about the shade? Is it about the setting? Is it about, is it about our life completely? Is it not for the concern of the people out there? And it is. God, like, could God's concern be our concern? Are you not concerned? The greatest concern that God has for people. I invite you to pray with me by bowing your head and, and take a moment here as our team comes. The tension that brings is so important and, and, and it's here. We can quickly dismiss we can quickly dismiss and go, yeah, yeah, Dan, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. It's for people that need Jesus. And, and that is the message. But I, I, I want you to be sensitive to the fact that God sees your needs. And so for Jonah, I just want you to just think about this for Jonah. It's so obvious that Jonah didn't get it. it it's so obvious that the danger is that you don't get it as well. Because the God who's gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abundant in love God wants to meet your need, not just to save your soul, which is so true, but the Lord wants to do that, but he wants to deal with your bitterness. He wants to deal with your anger. He wants to deal with your resentment. That Jonah wasn't even aware that he had it in the first place. Whatever that might be, the Lord wants to free you from that. And to whatever hurt that is, God wants that concern is his concern. But he wants you to get past that concern so you can be a part of the great concern, the concern for the rest of the world. What would happen if you got over yourself today? 
What would happen if you move beyond your own needs? As much as your needs are important, they're important to God as all the needs in the world. But what if you gave those needs over the Lord and the Lord did such a work in your life that you no longer made this life about you any longer? What would that life look like? It would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? It would be freeing. It would be transforming. It would be life-giving. But you have a need today. We want to give that to the Lord, whatever that need is. If you're here today and you haven't experienced the, the gracious and compassionate love of God for you to save your soul, you would say, I'm one of the Ninevites. I need Jesus today. Say yes to the Lord today as well. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you that your very character was, was revealed and was on trial through the life of Jonah and that we heard these last few weeks. Your very character that you truly, truly are. The test came that you are a gracious, compassionate, a loving God, slow to anger and abounding in love, God. You are that God. And you show that to an incredible group of people that were so lost. They didn't know their right hand from their left hand. And they continued an evil world that all that's all they knew. And God, you came and you visited those people and you transformed that community. And out there in our world, in Birch Bay, in Whatcom County, sits Nineveh. People that are doing evil, people that are sinning, but they don't know what they're doing. They're lost, they're hurting, they're blind, they're broken. They can't see their right hand or their left hand. Lord. And you want to reveal to them your gracious, compassionate, slow to anger and bounding love to, to them, Lord. But Lord, I pray that great concern would be our concern today. But before, Lord, we can get to that great concern you called us to, Lord, we got concerns right here. We got issues and we got struggles, Lord. And I pray right now, Lord, that people in their life would call it out what that might be. It might be some type of sin. It might be selfishness. It might be anger. It might be bitterness. It might be unforgiveness. Lord, we give that over to you. And Lord, some people even in a place saying, I want to give up. I want to peace out. And a place of depression, God, will you reach down in their lives that there is meaning and there's purpose through their life. Lord, you're just beginning a work in them, not the end, Lord. And God, as we get over ourselves with your help and your grace and your forgiveness, Lord, God, may we be these people. May we be these people that would say, Lord, your concern would be our concern. That your concern for lost, hurting, broken people that can't know and what they know what to do, and their left hand and the right hand know what to do. God, you love them so much, God, and that we would love them so much. And Lord, as we would see that work happening, God, even as those would come this next Easter morning that would gather in this place, Lord, we pray that the, the love of God would compel them to go, I need you, Jesus, to save my soul and to transform me to experience this resurrected life that you have, God. We pray this, Lord. We pray for all that are gathered here today, God. As we lift our concerns to you, God, you would transform us. You would take our concern and that we would get over ourselves. And Lord, that we get on to the, miss the mission and share the message of how great you are, of your salvation being the resurrection and the life this Easter, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.